It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host. That's T Diddy NFL on Twitter. Of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, it's a draft build-up, and we're talking all things defense. And I will say this, uh, PDP Peter Jones. It's at it underscore hedgehog on Twitter. Um, just in case, because we did get one person that were very excited about the draft picks. They text in or tweeted in at IT Hedgehog. Pete, I didn't think there would be another IT Hedgehog. I thought that was pretty unique. Did you know about this imposter? No, until until yesterday. Incredible. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it is random, it, right? Random. It is, it is very, very, very random. But to give you an example, Pete, right? My kids love this game, Sonic Forces, and by default, they kind of give you a name. So they pick uh, sort of an adjective, and then they give you uh, animal. So we're, we're really, it's a very inappropriate sounding animal we have, but you'll have like, you know, tall mink or whatever. So it's so random that they can do this for millions of players and they never run out of stuff. So I thought IT Hedgehog was one of those for you and somehow someone picked it. So I don't know. Do you want to contact the guy and see if he's into hedgehog rights? I mean, <laughs> it seems like he might have a lot in common because that's pretty unique. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, well, you would have thought so, but... But clearly, there's two of me. Yeah, I might get him on the podcast next week. See what he thinks. You might, you might get more sense. <laughs> no, look, the draft guide absolutely amazing. Um, I've I've swooned over it. You were on the Acme Packers podcast, Pete, talking about all things draft guide as well, so people can go and check that out. But for Air Podcast, we're going to do all about defense. So we did offense uh, last week. We're doing defense this week, and then we're going to sort of hoover up uh, the pickings next week then when it comes to special teams and stuff like that so we will have last week's podcast this podcast and the other podcast all below the actual draft guide so we have it all in one place but pete have you anything to say any news or will i crack right into uh, the latest with the london game um no i think we can crack crack right into the london game steve i think after we spoke about the whole it hedgehog thing i think you know you've given as much update as you can that's just two of you and uh, <laughs> we need to be careful there um, look, London game. So we do have people asking, you know, when's the date's going to be announced? Can they get tickets to the game? What events are we doing? So to update people, we expect the dates to be announced in May. The Packers can't speak to us about ticketing until that May date comes up. So it's probably between the 10th and the 12th of May. Um, so they don't have the information or they don't have the tickets released because we don't know when it's being announced. It's either going to be week four or week seven. Now I've asked had people ask me, how do I know that? Mark Murphy said it. I thank you. But he didn't say it on the podcast, so I can't even like try, you know, do a humble brag thing. Uh, he said it on an interview. I tried to find it again, but I couldn't find it. So it's week four or week seven, so we know kind of that much. And then venues. Um, so we've organized the uh, sort of ticketing thing. We, we don't know, basically. Uh, but if you do have season tickets for Tottenham or, you know, you're in on the NFL tickets or whatever, jump on those first. Because here's what I think will happen is that they'll release a certain amount to the States. There'll be massive appetite to come over here. Um, and then oh, I don't know if there'll be some released back. I'm fighting hard for a sort of a block seating so that we can have like a dedicated UK Packers section or at least a Packers section of the stadium. But to be honest with you, I think it's probably out of the Packers' hands by and large. Um, so if you can get tickets elsewhere, do jump on it. But as a fan club, we are working very hard to try and get you all in the one place and to get people to realise their dreams there. Now, we will have the Lambo tour, by the way. It's another question I've been asked. Are we still going to Lambo? The answer is yes. So you might be lucky enough to see the Packers in London and then see them over uh, in Green Bay as well. 
again, we've had some people voice their concern to say, I kind of didn't want to see the Packers first in London. I wanted to go over to um, Lambeau to see them for the first time. But Pete, that's like getting a free chocolate bar, buddy, and saying, eh, I kind of wanted to try it in Willy Wonka's factory and not here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, L- L- London to Lambeau sounds good, Steve. Yeah, so look, it'll be a bumper year. So when it comes to events, so we're working with the Packers, which is great. So they're they're bought into the fan club. Uh, they love what we do. And we're working behind the scenes with the Packers to organize events. So over the next week or two, we should have more information about what we're putting down. But the the plan basically is, is that, look, we're trying to get, you know, asses in seats when it comes to the stadium. But where we can't do that, then we're going to have a big pep rally regardless um, in a venue. And then whether it's in that venue or in other venues or multiple venues throughout London and also maybe in Ireland uh, and further afield in the UK, we'll set up venues where you can go and watch the game and hang out, stuff like that. It's guaranteed to be televised on TV, which is great. So at least we can organize those venues. But that's a work in progress. So bear with us. But without the actual fixed day, the Packers themselves can't do a whole lot so we're, we're organising it together so that's why we have to kind of wait so once the dates are released all the information will come hot and fast it's actually the same with the trip so once we find out the dates of the actual schedule that's when we can nail down the trip so we'll likely be getting out news of both events or multiple events all at the same time which will uh, be like Christmas Day but Pete yourself and myself hopefully be in London pal what do you think? Let's, yeah let's let's absolutely hope so that's the plan yeah Pete, uh, you're probably a bit taller than me, so I reckon we can probably try stick a Packers uniform on you and get you on the bench somehow. <laughs> I, tell, I tell you what, since since we started the whole lockdown thing mm. two two years ago, I, I think I'm just about, I could make the whole of the offensive line by myself, Steve. <clears throat> well, that, yeah, there you go. Or you could become the new Gravedigger or something. I don't know, he was a force to be reckoned with. That's the thing, Pete. I mean, you know, look, you're halfway there, uh, you know, Santa Claus action, so just keep eating. And then if the missus says that and say, look, I'm, in tra- I'm training, I'm an athlete. That's it. All right. Um, right, Pete, we're going to talk defense uh, for this draft guide. Now, the draft guide, let's remind people, it's 334 pages, which is very hard to say as an Irishman. So there's a lot of info in there. And one of the uh, great compliments that we got on your draft guide this week was is that the draft guide is a momentous thing in itself and it's great to read. But for people who aren't really savvy on names and how they fit in, that these podcasts are great because they get to kind of contextualize and put these players into perspective, which is exactly what you do. So that's what we're going to do in this defensive draft guide as well. So if you want offense, go back to the last podcast. Defense is all about this. Pete, let's start really, really general here. Um, you know, we spoke last week about that this is deep at wide receiver and we spoke about offensive linemen. A couple of those guys could go. What do we look at this draft? And it's going to be detailed in your draft guide because you give this sort of general draft outlook at the beginning of all of your positions. What does this draft look like from a defensive point of view? Actually, I would say it's, it's quite a quite a typical looking draft over the last five to ten years. Mm. So so lots of edge, edge players, pass rushers off the edge in the first round, five or six or maybe seven of those guys which is getting close to the norm these days. And, and part of that's because of the premium that NFL teams put on that position. So, so you know, in the last couple of decades or so, we've seen more and more of those guys um, in in the first round. So I think five, six, seven of those in the first round, and it's quite, quite deep as well. So not dissimilar to the wide receiver position, if you like, from um, a depth point of view. Defensive line. As is typical these days, two or three of those guys with first round potential. And that's typically what we're seeing. I mean, we saw a draft, I think, last year or a couple of years ago where no defensive lineman went in the first round. Yeah. I think there's probably a couple this year, but but not huge not huge amounts. 
similar but at linebacker so there isn't a a linebacker that's likely to go in the in the top top five or top ten but there's a couple of guys from the mid middle of the first round onwards corners lots of those guys you know four five six probably could go in in the first round again like the edge guys lots of premium on that position and safety is, is almost the converse to that there is one right near the top of the draft this year but a couple of safeties in the first round whole group in round two or round two or three so yeah. it's, a, it's a good year to be getting an edge guy, but every year is almost a good year to be getting an edge guy. Yeah, and look, we spoke, we speak about this all the time, and it's always sort of an area of fascination, particularly with people that we speak with. They, you know, because you can see the amount of work that goes into the draft guide. It's got the the grades and stuff. But what's so brilliant about it is, is that like you're already working on next year's, as you said in the last pod, and sort of it goes in these sort of overlapping cycles. So when you look at, you know, this draft, and you talk about the wide receivers and the interior defensive linemen and stuff. It can all come down to timing, can't it? So you look at the Packers and you say, right, we're in desperate need now of some wide receiver help. Uh, But sometimes another sort of position sort of trumps that. When you look at this draft and potentially some of the stuff that's starting to spring up with next year is, you know, can the Packers afford if a really strong defensive player would fall their way in the first round? Can they afford to say, no, look, we're going to stick with our guns and go wide receiver offense if you think that's where the priority is and sort of wait till next year almost to kind of do that? Or, you know, how do you, how do you see this one sort of playing out? Well, I, 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 think, I think if you take that 22nd pick the Packers have got, I think they absolutely can go defense there. And I think they could go defense at 22 and 28. But I think part of what will drive that is what's happened with the wide receivers up to that point. Yeah. You know, if... If there's only a couple of wide receivers off the board, then I think they'll be happy to go defense in the first round and pick up wide receivers in round two. Conversely, if if you know five or six have gone by the time they pick at 22, then I think they're more likely to pick receiver then because they're not going to get as good a guy in, in round two. So I think that absolutely could go defense with one of those two picks. They could go with both of those two picks. Um, I think it's just going to depend. I think because the Packers have that huge need at... Uh, at wide receiver, even even with the signing of Sammy Watkins, that, that that you've got to believe that they want to come out of this draft with a couple of wide receivers somewhere reasonably early. So I think that will drive the availability of those wide receivers will drive what the Packers do at 22 and 28. And do we wet people's appetite and start talking about Debo Samuel now? Do we sort of break the <laughs> break the bubble about salary cap and say nonsense, or do we just leave that one there? What do we do, Pete? I mean, my 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 gut feel is that it's going to be too costly, yeah. both in terms of salary cap numbers and in terms of draft picks. And I think the third thing to remember is both teams have got to want to do a trade. And if you're the 49ers, I'm going to look to try and trade with an AFC team. So, so even if you have the salary cap money, even if you were prepared to come up with the draft picks, it still relies on that team wanting to trade with you. And why would you trade with another NFC team if you didn't have to? Yeah, I mean, why didn't the Vikings say, yeah, take Justin Jefferson? Don't understand it. Don't get it. It's uh, it's baffling, Pete. <laughs> but, <laughs> but come here, we're going to start with interior defensive linemen. We'll follow the sort of um, order of your draft guide. Now, look, in, interior D-line, God damn it, it's Kenny Clark and crew. Uh, it always has been, seemingly. You know, we had Mike Daniels there. Uh, you know, we had some sort of help stuffed in there over the years. But basically, Kenny Clark, it's the same narrative, isn't it? It's, it's him anchored around everybody else. And of course, he's that talent and they keep paying him that way. 
Does that change this year, Pete? Is there anyone in the draft that you look at and go, God damn it, if we got him, then at least we'd have a dominant force? Well, I think I think at the, at the top of that list, um, I'm going to leave Trayvon Walker because we'll cover him in, in, in the edge position. Mm. I think at the top of the defensive line list, Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Um, now, I don't think that he'll be there when the Packers pick at 22, but it's a possibility. Yeah. Because if there's a run on wide receivers or one of those other positions, he could be there. Or he could be there at 15 or 16. And that's a point where you might say, I might just consider throwing in a fourth round pick and jumping up just a couple of spots to get him. Because these guys don't come around very often. But Jordan Jordan Davis of Georgia in that kind of middle of the first round area with the potential to fall into the low 20s um, is the top of that defensive lineman group. And he's... He's six six and a half, nearly six seven, three forty five, three fifty. Probably plays at closer to three seventy or three eighty. Is a huge, <laughs> huge guy, um, but he's explosive as well. If you can be explosive for a guy that's that big, um, you know, he, he runs a forty in well under five seconds for around about four point eight. I think four point seven eight. I think at the combine he ran that kind that that kind of number. So so. You know, he's he's a guy that you can play on the nose, if you like, in the Kenny Clark position, but you could play, play him as a 3-4 defensive end as well. So, yeah. so, he, so he absolutely fits a 3-4 defense. So Jordan Davis out of Georgia would be a good pick for the Packers if they could get him. I don't think he'll be there at 22, but there's a chance he'll be there at 22. Yeah, and like you have Devondre Wyatt marked in green here on the list saying that he's a potential. If he's there... Uh, you know, and there isn't because that's that's the dilemma, isn't it, Pete? I know we spoke about this that if there's a run on wide receivers, who's sort of thinking, all right, so they yep. they pick up a, de- a defensive end or whatever. But well, could it work the opposite way though? If there's a one on, run a one on wide receivers, a run on <laughs> wide receivers that they go and sort of panic and then you know go for a wide receiver then just to pick sort of who's left because Devondre Wyatt then with him being in green, you're sort of saying that he's probably likely. Is there is there a massive difference between him and Jordan Davis with versatility, with talent, with upside? Um, or would we be jumping up and down if we had him? So, 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 so there's, so there's not a, a huge a difference. I mean, I, I think that um, uh, Davis, in terms of stuffing the run, is a little bit stronger against the run, but he's a bigger guy. Mm. So, said so Davis is what six six. Let's call him three fifty for one of better way. Um, Wyatt's about six three and just over three hundred pounds. So, so he actually, in terms of what you would look for as a kind of prototypical. Three, four defensive end. Actually, his size is probably closer than than, than Davis's size. Um, I, I think in terms of getting to the quarterback, putting pressure on the passer, there's not a lot to choose between Davis and Wyatt. If anything, I think Davis is a little bit stronger. Now it's all relative. You know that we're talking about two guys that are probably, you know, who knows, seven or eight picks apart in the draft. Yeah. So 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 in a draft of 300 players it's you know it's it's a, it's a relative difference but that's the the very slight difference if you like between the two of them. Um I think Wyatt's probably a more likely pick for the Packers just because I think Davis has probably gone and I think Wyatt will quite probably be there at 22. Yeah, what would you what would you want them to do? I mean, would you have, would you be happy with that with the first pick? Would that be someone who changed the franchise in that way? No, I I would I I would be happy happy with that pick. I mean, I think that typically as as fans, we, we look for that highlight player, yeah. you know, the wide receiver that's going to put up huge numbers, that kind of thing. And you're not going to get huge numbers from either of these guys. 
you know that that's by the nature of the position that the position that they play you know you're going to get four or five sacks a year that kind of but you're getting two guys that play that play the run and I think for this defense ideally what you want those front guys to be able to take take the pressure and take the blockers away from Devondre Campbell mm. because typically you're looking for that middle linebacker Campbell and, and Barnes in essence to make all your tackles in the running game yeah all right so, so you're looking for Kenny Clark and Clark's a better player than that, but you're looking for these guys basically to 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 hold up blockers, tie up blockers, and allow allow the likes of Campbell and Barnes to make to make the tackle. And and with Davis and Wyatt, both of those guys, they absolutely can do that job. Yeah, and Campbell, it was great actually seeing some of his tweets and just how do you know what? There's a there's a real theme coming out with the Packers lately, isn't there? That they're shot because there was the criticism was and why Aaron Rodgers allegedly you know the toys come out of the pram and all that kind of stuff was all about how they treated players. Seems like they've turned a corner there because Campbell was sort of saying like, look, yeah. you know, it's reciprocal and uh, it's reciprocated in the fact that you know I love them, they love me kind of thing. It's all very schmoozy, uh, you know, set for Valentine's Day a little bit late, but. When we look at these D linemen, then you know, sort of barring we don't get the top two, who else jumps out at you that we should be happy about and should keep an eye on? Yeah, well, I think the immediate one is the next one on our list, Travis Jones of Connecticut. Now, I, I think he's a very similar player um, to to Wyatt, um, very slightly bigger, but but you know, a, a similar player to Wyatt in terms of he's not going to get you a huge amount of sacks, but he will put pressure, some pressure on the passer. Really good against the run in the middle of the line. The only thing that probably differentiates him from Wyatt at this stage in his career is that Wyatt played in the SEC for Georgia and mm. tra- and Travis Jones played for Connecticut, which is a smaller football school. So week in, week out, he wasn't playing against top-level opponents. So I think that's the only difference. The production is very similar. The traits are very similar. Their size is pretty similar. Um, and when you look at all of those things, about the only thing that differentiates them is their level of opposition. Okay, and that seems to be the way it is every year. I mean, we saw that sort of level that players like Cooper Cup before, right? That he hadn't had that sort of competition. He was a dynamite wide receiver. Would it translate? And it did. Uh, but yeah, as you yeah, said, that's absolutely, that. yeah, no, but that's absolutely the question that the almost the unknown, you don't know the answers to that question. But if a, if a guy like that does, does translate like a Cooper Cup did, then, then you could get, that's where you start to get you know, real bonuses, isn't it? If, if that guy falls a little bit further down the draft and you take him a little bit further. Yeah. So, you know, that's where you start to get a bonus when he turns out to be just as good or if not better than the player above him. It's just going to take him a little while to get there. Yeah, I know. Because, I mean, people sort of loaded on with, uh, you know, the Watt pick and like, the you know, that was a lost opportunity and you look at it and you can't say otherwise it absolutely was. But, you know, it's the people like Bakhtiari who who fell lower than they yeah. thought. I guess, I don't know, can we say this, Kenny Clark? I know he didn't fall, but the fact that when he was selected, it was a surprise for most people. They're like, who's this kid? And then, you know, he's so young and, you know, yeah. what he went on to become. So, look, we all know the Packers like to sort of throw some of these guys in. We see O-linemen and D-linemen late or undrafted. Is there any of those that sort of stand out in this draft, Pete, that you could think like, look, no one's thinking about him. He's not so much of a sleeper. We don't even know if he's going to get drafted or he might be a late round pick. But you know what? He's a damn solid player. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess kind of towards the, the middle, probably fourth or fifth round, um, Haskell Garrett of Ohio State. Um, so a little bit shorter, but he's about th- about 300 pounds. Again, kind of fits that 3-4 defensive end 
position for the Packers. And I think that's an important point. You know, we're looking here at guys that fit the three, four, yeah. not got, not, not four, three guys. There are some really good four, three guys in this draft, but looking for those three, four um, guys, Haskell Garrett. And, and again, in his case, he's played at a really high level of football in the big 10 for Ohio state throughout his career. So you've got, so you've got a guy that's had a little bit of production, decent amount of production. Um, and he's done it, uh, uh, you know, against a high level of op- opposition. So somewhere in the, in the middle, fourth or fifth round, you, you wouldn't be surprised to get a Haskell Garrett type. Um, a little bit further down, there's Neil Farrell Jr. of LSU, who's a pure nose tackle. Now, I'd be surprised if they took somebody like that, having taken TJ Slayton last year. Mm. So I think they've kind of got that guy. So I think, I think the names that we've probably mentioned already with Garrett somewhere in the in in the in the middle rounds and somebody's gonna try and get me to pronounce the guy from that's why you're asking the question, isn't it? The guy from <laughs> I, 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 Iowa State. Um and he's a huge guy. Mm. Um of of Ohio um Iowa State, six six, nearly three hundred and twenty pounds. And you can line him up anywhere um Along along the line, um, experienced guys played in played in sixty games for Iowa State, thanks to um, the extra year due to COVID and and what have you. Solid player, sixth or seventh round draft pick. Um, isn't going to give you huge amounts in the, in the pass rush, but is a is a guy that can clog up clog up the the line and 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 stop the run. Um, Nowhere near as good as the guys that we mentioned earlier, but definitely mm. a possibility right towards the end of the the end of the draft. Yeah, because I mean, our post draft podcast is going to be about breaking down those later round guys, because you know everyone sort of has their eyes on sort of the the higher sexy players. But speaking of, I mean, edge rushers, we haven't done too bad over the last while. Zadari Smith being injured, uh, him now gone, strangely to the Purple People leaders. Uh, so we have Preston there, we've Rashan Gary in there, but. I mean, Rashan Gary kind of stands out in this crowd, doesn't he? In the sense that a guy with massive, massive upside, um, you know, took a while to get going and people to see exactly who he was. There was question marks over him and it sort of came good. Is there anybody in this draft or is the Packers need not really there, Pete? I think it, I think it is there because I think with Z Smith going, I think you have to have at least three of these, you know, really good edge rusher guys, and you'd like four. You'd like four in an ideal world, but that's in an ideal world. So, I, so I think, I think it's a position the Packers could go, and they could go early, i.e., a, a first round, a first round pick, because there's lots of these guys. There'll definitely be value at, at where they pick. You know, the top guys in the draft will have gone. Aiden Hutchinson, quite possibly the overall number one pick. Kayvon Thibodeau will have gone. Trayvon Walker of Georgia, who played mostly at defensive tackle um, at Georgia, but is probably going to play edge in in the pros, and that raises a question mark for me about about him. And Jermaine Johnson, those guys will have gone by the time the Packers pick at twenty two. So barring barring a trade, we can kind of forget those for the Packers. But then I think you get into this next group, and there's some interesting names in there. I mean, one of the most interesting names is David Ajabo of Michigan. So outside linebacker, um, was brought up in Scotland um, so, and didn't play football until quite a late, you know, late teens. Mm. Basically played one, one and a bit years at, 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 at Michigan 
and was absolutely fantastic in that period of time at, at, at Michigan. Um, athletic, gets to the quarterback, um, makes plays against the run along the line fast, so he'll run plays down from behind. Just on paper and on film, you know, just a super-looking player. Now, you have to, you know, calm that kind of excitement <laughs> with, with, with the fact that, A, he's only played basically one and a half years of college football and a little bit of high school football. Yeah. So it's not, not that experience. And two, unfortunately, the big downside for Ajabo was that he tore an Achilles tendon in um, in his pro day in March and probably fell from the top 10. So he would have gone in the top 10, almost certainly in this draft, wow. to, some, to somewhere towards the end of the first round. So, you know, you get this situation where in this day and age, we expect guys to come back from an Achilles tendon tear. It will take takes a bit of time. Six months-ish is the kind of period that was being talked about. So somewhere slightly after the season started, but that doesn't mean he's going to be at full speed by then. Um, but you have the potential to get a top 10 player at pick 22 or 28 that you otherwise wouldn't get if you ex accept that he's got to go through this recovery period and might miss a few games. Assuming... And again, you have, you make this assumption or, or you work on the best, the teams work on the best medical evidence that they've got at, at the time that, that everything's going to be okay. There's mm. always the, the outside chance that, that, you know, there's a further injury or the recovery doesn't go as well as expected. But, you know, and, and, and you know, that's the chance that they have to take. But, you know, it, if a Chapo was there at 28, Goodness me. Yes, I'd jump at taking him. Incredible story, Pete, that he was raised in Scotland and went over. That's pretty insane. Yeah. And to say he would have went top 10 as well is, is incredible. But looking at your draft guide, I mean, you get down as far as 25 in the edge rushers before you start getting into the seventh round with undrafted free agent action. So it seems pretty deep at this position. Is there value then after first, second round? Yeah, there, there, there absolutely is. And, you know, you could look at some of these names like Nick Benito of, of Oklahoma is a pure outside linebacker. His name's coming up quite a lot in mock drafts in the last few days for the Packers. Yeah. Second or second or third round, um, you know, runs the 40 and four, five, something or other, can can rush the pass or can, can drop back in pass coverage. Yeah, he's a really, really, really nice player, nice a nice athlete. So he's a guy in round two or three. So if you haven't taken one in the first couple of rounds and he was sitting there, you know, with your third round pick, Absolutely, you absolutely would consider that type of guy. Um, Cameron Thomas of San Diego State. Um, I don't think we've highlighted him because I think he's more of a 4-3 defensive end than he is an outside linebacker. So I think he probably ends up at a team that plays the 4-3. Four, the four, yeah. Um, but really, really nice, really nice player. Um, Sam Williams of Mississippi. Again, somewhere in those somewhere in those middle rounds, lots and lots of speed. So ran a, ran his forty to four fours, six four two fifty something. Um, yeah, and he he had um, I think it was twenty two. I'm going to say twenty two and a half sacks in his college career in thirty odd games. So he knows he knows how to get to the yeah knows how to get to the uh, passer. Um, so yeah, I mean I think. I think you know you get to the kind of fourth fourth round that kind of area fourth or fifth round if a Sam Williams is there if he's there 
you know, he may go in as high as round three. And I think you consider him in round three, by the way, if he's if he's there, because although he's the 13th edge player on our board, it's a deep position like wide receivers deep. Yeah. So so Sam Williams, certainly a, a possibility in 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 that area. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Benito and Sam Williams outside that first group would be would be, you know, really, not really nice picks. Yeah, and we spoke about Devondre Campbell and sort of how productive he's been, and surely you'd imagine him to put in a stellar performance. But linebackers in yeah. this draft, look, we've had some really sexy names uh, in the past. Uh, so is there any sort of standout players in this year's draft, Pete, at linebacker, that, again, you'd be happy with? Yeah, I mean, you've got the top two, Devin Lloyd and Nicobe Dean. Now, now, Dean may well be there when the Packers pick at 22. And, and, I, think, and I think if you felt that you had a huge need at linebacker so if you didn't have Devondre Campbell then Dean would be a really nice pick at 22 I just don't think you take him there this year because you've got Campbell you've got you've got Chris Barnes I I think the Packers are looking further down the board for linebackers probably round three four five that that kind of area Um, you know and and to pick out a couple of names perhaps um, a name that comes up a lot and as you know, as many Badgers fans um, will know, Leo Chanel of Wisconsin, really, really nice inside linebacker, really good against the run and is better against the pass than people give him credit for. Um, and he's going to go round two, round three. Mm. So, so I would be surprised to see the Packers take one in round two, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them take one in round three. And, and, and Chanel would kind of fit in. I think the other guy in that kind of area that I like is, is Troy Anderson out of Montana state. And it's a guy that's played multiple positions in across his, across his college career. So without going to look at his profile, I think he's played like six or seven different positions, including quarterback across his college career, but runs the 40 in, in around four, four would have a little bit to learn as, as, as a linebacker but was also going to give you a super athlete and a super athlete on special teams as well and special teams coverages. So I think, I think Troy Anderson's a really, a really nice pick. And then there's some guys further, further down the draft. Um, Malcolm Rodriguez, I like, um, but he's small. Um, Mike Rose out of Iowa state. Um, good cover guy. I have four or five interceptions in, in, in one year. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. Um, so really good cover guy at the inside linebacker spot. Um, but I, I, I suspect for the Packers, this is probably not an area that they see as a huge need. Yeah. But I think they will pick a guy middle-ish, middle-ish to late rounds who will probably be as much a special teams guy as he will be you know, a contributor on defence. Well, out of those three positions then between interior defensive linemen, edge rushers, linebackers, is there anybody that isn't on the radar or is sort of a crush of yours? I know, you know, you swooned all over he who cannot be named <laughs> the wide receiver uh, <laughs> position. I see his name come up as well. And every time I look at it, I go, Pete's going to be going mental. Uh, so there's out of those three positions then, is there any sort of steel or diamond in the rough that you see? Um, so, 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 so I guess the, the diamond in the rough would be, would be, at the at, at the edge position, um, and that would be Amari Barno of um, of Virginia Tech. Now he's going to be way down my list. Um, yeah, seventeen. Just looking at it, just, right? Two, okay. Four and five. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I think what you've got there is a guy that that's got really nice size. So he's six six five, nearly nearly two fifty, and four three six speed in the forty. Oh, um, so what you've got there is is a is an is an athlete who's had a level of production in college, mm. but with a guy who's that athletic, you think there's a role for that guy, and you're hoping that he's got a big upside. So somewhere in those fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, if a guy like that falls to you, then I think you then I think you jump at it. That's crazy fast for a guy that big. It really is. Oof. Whereas beggars belief. Now we're in the uh, the DB categories now. Cornerbacks. I do believe your defensive crush is is in one of these categories, uh, Pete. Cornerbacks. Cornerbacks and safeties. You know, you could look at the Packers and kind of you know go, Jesus, we're we're set there at DBs, but. With the defensive scheme that we see, you know, modern NFL defenses run now, it, it all focuses on the sort of shorter, smaller guys, right? Now, of course, they can be stretched, uh, but it's all these sort of shiftier DB style that they drop them into the box and stuff like that. So there's a bit of a hybrid action going on. Uh, cornerbacks, Pete, how's it looking? So, so again, it's it, it's very close to being typical cornerback year, where there's four that ought to go in the first round, and there's a couple more that could go in the first round. So you could have as many as six going in round one. Um, I don't think the Packers go there in round one. I think they're set at the first three corners. Um, now, we can never have enough of these guys yeah. because it only takes one of them to get injured. You know, Basically, you have three starters, don't you, in this, yeah. in this day and age at the corner spot. But I don't think that's a position the Packers go in round one. Um, so, so from a Packers perspective, I'd be probably be looking at round three onwards, and you know, I think Tariq Woolen um, out of um, UTSA, Texas San Antonio, one of the fastest players in this draft. I don't have his forty time in in front of me, but I think that he would be a guy that the Packers would look look to go. I'm going to look up his forty time now. Four two six in the four in in the forty. Um, <laughs> Incredible. And he's big. He's six foot four as well. Yeah. Um, so he kind of fits the, if you like, if there is a mold that you that, that the Packers like, he's a big, big corner with that with that speed. Um, really only started, started a couple of years in college and playing again. Because he's playing at UTSA, which is, you hate to call them this, you know, it's a smaller football school as compared to, to, some, of, to some of the other schools. And he's got a lot of work. He's got a lot of work to do, but you can't teach that speed. Yeah. And you know you can teach him technique and, and all the other stuff, but you can't make up for that speed. And we've seen you know some of that in in Eric Stokes, obviously. Mm. So 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 for me, in kind of the middle there, I think that Tariq Woolen somewhere around round three would be a nice pick um, for the Packers. And then I think we get onto my other draft crush, don't we? <laughs> Which is which is Mark, Marcus, Marcus Jones out of Houston? Yeah, is um, it is it the Jones name piece? Are you swayed by that at all? I mean, he's my secret brother. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, for me, he's a guy that that would go in about round three, round four, purely as a corner, mm. right? But he's small, so he doesn't fit the Packers. Much. He's five for eight, right? So he doesn't oh, that's fit. Massive piece. <laughs> It doesn't fit the Packers, the Packers mold of corners, but you know he's a guy that could be your slot corner at that at, at that size. Yeah, I think he's a really excellent corner. Um, 
But for me, he is the best punt and kick returner coming out of college in probably 10 years. That's crazy. And, you know, it, it's an area of need for the Packers, as we've, as we've seen over the last, I don't know how many years. Mm. And certainly returning returning punts. Um, he ties tied for the NCAA record in terms of returns for touchdowns across his across his career. Yeah. Um yeah, you know, and and just for me, he's just such a dynamic return return guy that you'd almost spend that pick or be prepared to spend that pick just on his returning ability, even if he didn't do anything else. Mm. What I what I think you're also getting, I think is you're getting a corner that can play at a decent level as well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Pete? Like, I mean, Devin Hester walked into the Hall of Fame. I could be talking about my arse here. He got into the Hall of Fame, didn't he? Off the back of being, or has he got in yet? Or is not it just yet. being talked about? Not, not yet, and, but and then, he, he he ought to. Yeah, yeah. Trinan Holiday. I mean, remember him? He was a diminutive guy, and uh, what did he play? With? I remember him with the Broncos. But uh, yeah, he was unbelievable as well. So, uh, what was that other guy? Uh, Jacoby Jones. Jacoby Jones. Yeah, Jacoby Jones, wasn't it the guy who used to have that dance? He, another guy who just, you know, you can have these players that stand out on special teams and for them to consistently bring the ball to the house just blows my mind because you think it's an awful lot about scheme and the fact that the Packers didn't have it last year and, you know, coverage was bad, so because coverage is bad. But some of these players, it doesn't matter almost what the... Maybe the coverage is outstanding. I don't know. Maybe him in college, you know, he had a really good special teams coach who put him in the in the best position. But it's that consistency, Pete. Uh, but you do have an injury flag on him, right? So a uh, bit of concern there? Yeah, that's why he's just dropped a little bit. So so, so I've got him going fourth, fifth round. And I, and I think he would probably be a round or so higher than that. Hmm. Um, he's just recently, at the beginning of this year, undergone some cleanup surgery on both, on both of his shoulders. I, I'm not overly concerned about that you know you kind of have to take what you see and what you read to be believed he when when he when he was at the combine um and, and in his interviews and, and presses he didn't give any concern whatsoever about you know that, that he's going to be ready in the summer to to go so assuming that's that's the case then i think that yeah, he, he'll be an excellent pick. The guy he reminds me of, and I'm really showing my age, so only the older listeners will get this guy, is Billy White Shoes Johnson. White Shoes. <laughs> who played who played for the Falcons and for the Houston Houston Oilers all those all those years ago. Now Johnson was a wide receiver, but he was a he was a punt and kick returner. Extremely exciting, extremely dynamic, and that's who Marcus Jones reminds me of. And I know we spent like an inordinate amount of time on him, but because you don't have a time in here because he didn't run at the forty in the yeah. combine. Is he fast, or is it just a yeah. mixture of sort of no, changing he, he, speed? He's lightning fast, is he? Yeah, he is fast. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, we don't, we don't know. Like you so say, we don't know, we don't know how fast. But, but I, I, my, my guess is that he would be under four four. Yeah, God, for that size as well, you'd that's almost incredible in itself. Because most of the sprinter guys are actually quite tall. But um, safeties again, we look at the Packers and safety, and we think you know we're we're basically sorted here. But as we all know, you know, as you said before, you're only an injury or two away from getting decimated at that position. Any value in the draft? Yeah, and it's an interesting one, isn't it, for the Packers because you know, um, you know, Savage will be reaching his option year next year. I want to I want to say it'll be four years into his into his contract. Um, Amos has got two years left on his contract I think I can't remember but 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 
they're really good at that position with those two starters, but but the future of those two starters is not a hundred percent clear. You know, yeah. beyond beyond the next year or so. So now's the time I think that you start looking for, you know, a potential successor. And and also behind those two, the, the Packers don't have a lot of a lot of depth to the safety position with 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 Henry Black, who's a free agent, um, with Vernon Scott, who's been injured. So there's so there's not a lot of depth there. Um, and I think that once you look beyond the first safety in this draft, Kyle Hamilton, who'll be long gone, probably in the top five overall, any of the other safeties could be in play for the Packers. Um, so if we start at probably the first one, Dax Hill of Michigan, runs under 4-4 in the 40, and very interestingly can play both the pure safety spot, but can also line up and cover the slot the slot receiver. Yeah. So, so he could be the guy that gives you, if you like, your fourth corner, if you if you need if you needed that guy, as well as being as well as being your third safety or even come through to start at safety. Yeah, that's invaluable, isn't it? Because that's yeah. there's always that talk, isn't it? Jair plays the slot, and yeah. you know, so yeah, Jesus, that'd be nice. Yeah, and and he's tough as well. He's a guy that that will get up and play the run. So it's so, although you think of these guys as kind of pass defenders, particularly when they got great speed hmm. he'll get up there and, and, and make hits he, li- he likes to hit he, hit he can blitz um really nice player that dax hill of michigan so you know if he's there at 28 absolutely you know and, and again i think that it's one of those guys that the most most of us immediately would think well why are they picking there but i yeah. think if you get behind that pick really 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 nice pick if, if he were available at at, at 28 yeah, which, um, which is what we're going to be looking at. I mean, you know, it's it's that exact pick that happens, and then people go, "What?" And then it's only when yeah. they sort of come back to this, which is nice that you've said it in advance. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and right next to him in our list will, will be Louis Lewis Seen of Georgia. Mm. Very similar, very similar type player, four three seven forty. So very very fast guy. Very yeah, very very similar player to 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 Dax Hill, I would say. Has played some on special teams. Um, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, he can he can cover. We'll get up and play the run. Um, loves to hit, misses the odd tackle here and there, which is why he's slightly below Dax Hill on the list. But you know, again, it's all re- it's all relative. So I think one of those two guys, Dax Hill of Michigan or, or Lewis Seen of Georgia, a, a pick twenty eight. It's a really nice pick. And is there much value after that then, Pete, particularly where the Packers are at with their safety position? Do you see them going sort of later around? Is there anybody in there? Well, it, it's, yeah, it starts it starts to drop off. And, you know, the, it the, there's some guys in round two or round three. Jalen Petrie of, of Baylor is a nice player in round two, maybe round three. Um, it's in the middle rounds. Um, Nick Cross of Maryland. Um and again, he gets a lot of notice because he ran four three four at the combine in the in the in the forty, yeah. which you know again for a, for the for a safety position you just don't expect to to see that. Yeah. Um. Crosses a crosses a yeah, like I say, a really a really nice a really nice player. What's aside from that speed? What's really nice about Cross is that he can play multiple roles. So he's a guy that I think that once he develops into a starting role is a guy that you're never going to take off the field because he, he can play up in the box. He can play deep. He can cover. 
So he's done done all of those things. Um, again, not the, necessarily the greatest tackler in the world, but I think they can teach that. I think that you know you can learn that. So yeah, I think Nick Cross in the in 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 the middle rounds, um, and then JT Woods probably of Baylor right towards you know rounds four, five, six area. Um, Another guy that ran under the four four in the forty. There's a bit of a theme. There's a bit of a theme here. Yeah. What are they feeding um, these kids? God damn it. <laughs> and and I think that some of these names are in play for the Packers because because the Packers like those athletic guys. They like the fast. They like the fast guys, and fast guys with size they like even more. Um, and J T Woods of Baylor is six two. Yeah. So he's running four four three six in the forty at six foot two. Um, yeah, nice safety at, at, at Baylor, um, size, athletic ability. Um, this is where I want you to make your prediction though, because this is where we always see the Packers go for the tall rangy guys. Let's leave Jair Alexander to one side here. Yeah. They always go for the big dudes. They always go for the RAS scores. They always go for the athletic ability, the quickness. I guess first off, you know, quickness is has to be factored in because you get the top blown off your defense by a Tyree Kill, uh, by an MVS when, when he catches it, he's not with us anymore. But, you know, that's why he was such a dangerous player. So do you have to go for the guy who's a little bit raw and fast? Because, as you said, you can teach the tackling, you can teach technique. And how do you see the Packers going with this, Pete? Do they stick to their tried and true? I think as, I think as you get further down the draft... I think that the the speed element becomes more important for teams. Yeah. Because I think it becomes more difficult to separate, if you like, the 15th safety from the 16th safety. Because they're playing at different schools in different systems. Perhaps one of them has gone to a big school and one's gone to a smaller football school. I I think that it becomes more difficult. And that's where I think that the the size and um, speed elements come into it more and more because it becomes easier to compare guys purely by purely by numbers yeah um who do i think i would not be surprised to see the packers pick a safety at 28 really would not be surprised at all and and so i would expect it to be dax hill or lewis scene if they do that and i would be very very comfortable with that yeah right it wouldn't be my first choice probably but we don't know who's going to be on the board at that time but I'd be more than happy, more than happy with that, because I think you'll get a player that can play this year, and you also look into look into the future. I think for, for further down the draft, I think you're going to be looking at one of those f- fast guys, um, like Woods that we just mentioned, like Tyson Anderson of Toledo, who we haven't yet mentioned, but again runs under 4.4 in the 40, and I think you're looking as much for them to play on special teams coverage units as you are. Um, you know, as a pure as a pure out and out safety on defense. Yeah. Well, Pete, I'm going to hit you with three questions, buddy. Uh, sort of an overall. Now, just to just to remind people, this is Peter Jones' draft guide. It's on the UK Packers uh, website. We and when you get to the safety page, you're on page 288, and there's 334 pages in the guide. Give you a bit of an example of how much content that there is. We've looked at offense. We've looked at defense. Um, and we see trends change, you know, we see sort of fads come into the NFL, but sort of there's one thing that kind of always remains the same, no matter how much they try to wax lyrical about, oh, he's NFL ready. Looking at defense and looking at offense, Pete, I mean, how NFL ready are these players generally? 
And what is the trend? You know, do you usually see offensive players being able to hit the ground running? Do you see defensive players? Because we see Rashawn Gary and he has to catch up and get his technique down and everything's an awful lot faster. I mean, what positions do we look at to come in and literally translate? Because you don't want that able to be starting straight away, right? That's usually, you're not drafting for now, you're drafting for next year or the year after. But which players are better at playing now than next year or the year after? Yeah, so I think there's some some positions where it's easier. You know, the, the the exact skill and system that they play, is easy, it translates easier into the NFL. And and those are positions like running back, like wide, like wide receiver. Um, I think those are those are easier. Offensive guard typically e- easier than some of the other. I'm not suggesting they're easy, but they're easier than some of the other positions. I think the most difficult positions to come in and play: offensive tackle, particularly left tackle, quarter, quarterback, obviously, um, and corner is 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 one of the most is one of the most difficult. Yeah. Um, but. I think we're seeing this trend now, aren't we? And I think the salary cap has really, really driven free agency and the salary cap has really driven this of players coming in and playing perhaps earlier than they would have done before. And I think that's going to that's going to continue. So I think that what you get is this kind of if you're a really good team, if you're one of those teams picking consistently in the 20s like the Packers, you're either looking for that one guy that pushes you over the edge. If, or you're looking for next year's starter, not not this year's starter. If you're those teams that are picking consistently in in the top ten, you're always looking for for guys to come in and start and make a difference immediately, because you need as many of those guys as you could. <laughs> exactly, that's why you're there in the first place, right? Yeah, <laughs> help as, us, as, as, please, as, as you could possibly get. So yeah, um, so that's kind of kind of the way I I think that. You know, wide receiver and running back, I think generally considered probably the two e- easiest positions in terms of the transition from from college to to pros and and quarterback, cornerback, and um, offensive tackle are difficult. And then edge is a mixture. So uh, we typically see a couple of edge guys towards the top of the draft who come in and make a huge difference straight away, like a Nick Bozer did a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but then in 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 the middle, beyond that, they then start to take a little bit of time, like Rashan Gary. Mm. Um, so I think you've got a mixture at, at at the edge spot. But typically, those guys going in the first round are are athletes, and you can use them in a number of ways. So so if you if you get an edge guy that perhaps can't play the run initially, you can still use him on third down and in passing situations, and he can end the season with 12 sacks and fantastic. So it doesn't need to be an all round player on day one yeah and here's the real question because look the also UK Packers and I say us I'm, I'm putting myself in there because I'm present right I'm here I'm talking uh, us at UK Packers and the, and the draft guide and you know Andy was was brilliant for this as well where he'd go oh you know look out for the fourth round for this guy and we're like, hey, yep. like what, what? what are you talking about and then they would I remember one time we looked stacked at running back, and he was like, "No, you know, look out for, you know, this player and this player," and it happened, which is incredible, right? And they only get that from context. You famously, Pete, in a box, and again, I think it's one of your regrets that you didn't sort of flog this even more. It was about Jordan Love. You had him in the box and said, "Look, you know, if it drops this far, do not be surprised if the Packers go for it." Yet there's still a bit of guffaw and a bit of <laughs> awe and wonder. 
Pete, a bit of uh, slobber knocker action going on uh, online when they selected him. Uh, we had one pundit for Barstool and she went off on an expletive-laced rant about how we basically screwed the franchise for forever, which, shocker, didn't come true. Uh, so when you look at this, right, it's what we want the Packers to do um, and it's what we feel the Packers will do and everyone gets frothed up by doing a billion mock drafts uh, through these simulators and stuff and as you say the sort of names keep coming up again like some of the names that you mentioned in this podcast you're like oh he's come up a little bit more now this week so some players come into vogue and come into trend and people pay attention to them leaving all of that aside right all of the who we want to give us a prediction if you can or a feeling or something that could happen how are the Packers going to shock us this year Pete? <laughs> so I think I think if they shock us it's by picking an offensive lineman at either 22 or 28. Mm. And I don't think it's a huge shock. Yeah. But I, but I think it will slightly surprise people when everybody's looking at wide, wide receiver and possibly defensive line. Yeah. I, 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 I think I think this is a franchise now being built around strong player on the offensive line. We have some question marks there. So, you know, the, the surprise, I think, would be that the Packers take Zeon Johnson of Boston College at pick 22. Yeah, because I would say the prize, the surprise is sort of trading around, but that's not the surprise. The surprise is <laughs> they're likely to do something like that. So go on. I mean, we've we've come this far, Pete. Give us a couple of names then that you think we could go for at that position. I know this is probably said in the last podcast, and that's fine. But just rejog our memory. Who do you think? Are we going Zion Johnson? Yes. So 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 for me, that's that's the guy that that I've got a sneaking suspicion about for the Packers um, and partly because he plays multiple positions and they like those kind of guys. Yeah. And he's a guy that can come in and play straight away. Now I'm not hundred percent certain he'll be there at 22. I expect him to go around that kind of area and he may even drop to 28. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying the Packers should pick him. I'm not saying they have to get this guy and I'm going to be really upset if they don't. I think what I'm really saying is I wouldn't be surprised if they picked him. And he's kind of one of those names that doesn't come up very often. Yeah. So it would be easy to say, yeah, if Jamison Williams is there, the Packers should pick him. I think we can all probably say that at this point, at this point in time. But I think that they think that Zion Johnson is the guy that would slightly surprise people. He's not a name that's constantly out there coming out in mock drafts and everything else. He'd be the guy that I think they may go for. Yeah. Well, there you go. Look, this is this is going to be the best sound bite ever. This is going to be the one that you hang your hat on, Pete. Every year there's something, and this could be it. Very exciting. <laughs> but um, look, th- 334 pages of a draft guide. I mean, it's not as if you're coming out with the hot takes. It's not one of these shows where you're like, well, I'll tell you what, it's a bit left field. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you've, you know, you've put 300 players on the board, Pete. So come on, we're at the it'll end be, of the... It'll be one of those 300, Steve. It'll be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be not... Not only will they pick 22 will be one of those 300, right. but guess what? The one at 28 will be one of those 300 as well. Okay, we hear here first, folks. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you stole that from me. I was definitely saying that pre-production. Um, it's like, you know, Mystic Meg, who used to be in the sun or something. I think that was just a producer that they dressed up in goofy glasses or they put sort of a, a silly wig on her. But uh, the Brian Connolly did Septic Peg. And he'd say, oh, the lot of numbers are going to be between 1 and 42. And it's just, you know, it's that type of prediction. It's going to be between 1 and 300 and just, you know, deal with your lot. Um, anyway, there it is. So, look, we've reached the end of the offensive and defensive. Next week, it's going to be uh, glazing over special teams and kind of hoovering up the general news, um, particularly after uh, Debo Samuel becomes officially a Packers. Nah, I don't want to do that. That's <laughs> terrible. Uh, so, yeah, look, Pete, anything else to say then and to sort of round off the offensive defensive side of things? 
Hey, if Debo Samuel officially becomes a Packer by this time next week, we may not have any first-round picks to talk about. No, for a second or third or any <laughs> salary cap you know, to let people go. Uh, yeah, so look, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. Uh, so, hey, it might though, because Russ Ball is always a surprise. Or draft Russ Ball is what I say. Uh, so, Pete, anything else to round off the uh, uh, you know defensive or offensive or forever hold your peace? No, I think we, I think we, I think we're good until next week, Stu. There you go, Peter Jones, the absolute man legend uh, that uh, there was 334 pages deep on the draft guide this podcast will be available on the page on the website along with the offensive so don't go scrambling around uh, you can find it there subscribe on iTunes Spotify and anywhere you get your podcast and from himself at IT underscore hedgehog on the Twitter box uh, and of course you can find Peter Jones uh, bringing the content in the Facebook groups as well so there's a private group and a main page and then of course me at Steedy NFL as well and the Patreon Raz is going to be coming hot and fast now as well so the one for April will be drawn soon and then sure we're right into May Uh, so yeah look uh, keep it here next week special teams and until then from himself and myself it's a big go pack go go pack go